Welcome back. I'm Mike. Ben had to run away before recording this intro, but this is part two of the great NBA playoff preview with Mo Dakiel, former video coordinator for the Clippers and the Spurs, and also has his own website, thejumpball.net. We're going to look at the West playoff series in this episode, and we are excited about two of these series at least. So sit back and enjoy. Uh, before you do anything, though, subscribe to the podcast. Um, Give us a review on iTunes. You know, let us know what we're doing well and not well. Send us questions as well for future episodes. At limited underscore upside is the Twitter handle. And listen to our East Playoff preview just before this in your feed. This is the Western Conference Playoff preview on the Limited Upside Podcast. Welcome back to the Limited Upside Podcast. This is our first round playoff preview, part two. This is the Western Conference. Go back and listen to the Eastern Conference preview if you haven't yet. We are being joined by Mo Dacchio. Mo is a a former uh, video coordinator in the NBA. He's worked with multiple coaches, Team Australia, you name it. He has a unique perspective on the NBA playoffs and what it takes to actually scout a team that you know you could possibly play seven times in a matter of weeks. As always, Preda has been focusing on the game extensively over the course of the last, well, he never takes a break. So, He's got some answers for most questions. We're going to dive right into the the most poignant questions for Prada, uh, and then we'll get to each of the Western Conference first-round playoff matchups. So let's start with that Golden State and Portland first-round matchup, as Damian Lillard has already uh, prognosticated here that uh, the Portland Trailblazers will win in six. So I guess that's it. On to the next series, guys. Yeah, yeah well, no, it, no, it, it was a little unfair <laughs> the way that they twisted it was, that. It was a suggestive question that the, the host asked him uh, – is Portland going to win in six or seven? And most players don't answer those. They just joke about, you know, it'd be a great series. Yeah, he said we're going to win in six. So I appreciate that, actually. And that speaks to Dame Lillard actually being like a 360 human being. He's like a really interesting NBA player. But, I've never heard that term before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He actually has something to say for himself, and he has talents outside of being a basketball player. Have you ever heard the, have you ever heard the phrase 360, 360 person, Mo? I've, that's a new one for me. Yeah, like it's like a, a, a 3D person, like someone who uh, you can you can see that there's more to them than just this one aspect that you're able to get a glimpse of. Like not every NBA player could also be a professional recording artist or something, which Lillard could. Like he's he's actually a super talented guy. Not that the rest of the players in the league aren't. And I think we all know that guys like Kobe and uh, Lou Williams and uh, Iverson back in the day, all tremendous rappers in their own right. I'm just kidding. Um, Whoa. <laughs> sorry, Lou. Sorry, Lou. When, when Lou Williams came out with his album on the Sixers, um, it was like the talk of the town because people had gotten really upset when Iverson took his foray into it. And, and it was it was quite interesting. But anyhow, I digress. Let's get into the Golden State Warriors, Portland Trailblazers round one. Uh, we won't have to spend too much time on this. So let's get right to Mo's pressing question here. It's actually a Portland related question for you, Prada. If Nurkic is healthy, can he even stay on the floor against the Warriors defensively? Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, what is his health status now? Is he coming back? What game three is what it's looking like? Like, is he going to play the first two games? I think it's still up in the air, right? They're they're waiting on an X-ray, and he's waiting for the green light. And I guess he did like 20 minutes of a pregame workout. Okay, which it to me isn't isn't nearly enough. Right. You also, know? he also he had, had, had like a. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. He had a fracture, so you have to stay off it, right? So you, you're, he's probably not going to be in game shape. This right. just happened too. This was like, <laughs> it's really soon to come back from a fracture, even if it's not a you know significant one. Yeah, I mean um, I wouldn't start him. 
like I would just try to see if you can get something from him off the bench for a little bit, you know, because right. so he's obviously would be way too slow. I think in a lot of pick and roll situations, I guess if you match him to like Zaza, you know, you could get <laughs> away with playing him and then it's not like he could, I know he's a big, strong guy, but like that, I don't think he's a good enough post-up player where you would throw him the ball and that would be an advantage even against, you know, the Warriors, right? I mean, I think the Warriors would take that ultimately. So, and the other thing is that I think the more important player in this series for Portland is Noah Vonley. And if you play Nurkic, that may make it harder for Noah Vonley to make an impact. Uh, I know he's played well with Nurkic, but that was against teams that weren't the Warriors and don't spread the floor like they do. So, I mean, I would say probably not. I don't know how much he can play. Maybe I'm being too mean to the Nurk. But, you know, I just think that when you consider the injury and the opponent, like this is going to be really too difficult for him. Yeah, I my my big concern, too, is when the Warriors go small and they put, you know, Duran and Draymond at the, the center and forward positions. He's going to guard Draymond, but they're going to put him in pick and roll after pick and roll after pick and roll. I don't know if you can really survive. Yeah, that yeah. situation healthy without even the fracture. I don't think he was that great of a pick and roll defender to begin with. Right. So I yeah. think that, that was my my thought in that regard, you know, where I'm like, this is if I'm Golden State, I'm like, please play him, please. <laughs> so <laughs> here's my question. So the Warriors didn't go to that small lineup as much as I thought they would this season, you know, and some of that was because Durant was injured uh, and some of that because they didn't need to. And there were some, I think, chemistry concerns late in games that I think hurt them but all in all like I came into the year thinking like oh they're going to use it all the time and they actually use it less than they did last year so if you're the Warriors like do you even like bring that back out in this series like can you win this series without having to show that hand I think they absolutely can I don't think they they have to I think they they just got so much firepower I just think it's the playoffs is a, a battle of attrition as well so you want to knock out your opponent as quickly as possible to be able to get rest. And you hope your your next opponent is in just a slug match, you know, and it, it, it's funny because then you always have that debate of, well, how much rest is too much rest? The answer is that's a stupid question. <laughs> OK, you want to rest your guys. You can you can do things in practice to, to you can do scrimmages and, and, and simulate stuff to keep your guys fresh. But you want to rest your guys come playoff time because everybody – there's not one guy in there that's 100% healthy. Everybody's got a nick and a a, a knack here and there, and it's it, it kind of stressing them out. So I think for Golden State, it's a question of like, do we really want to play in a, a series and and screw around and, and maybe have to play you know, a game five or a game six? Or you know, do we want to just knock them out right away and move on and get rest and, and, and watch the other guys go? So it's funny that they didn't play that lineup too much, and I agree with you. But when they did, it was a pretty damn tough lineup, you know. And 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 it will be interesting with Durant having missed so much time now. If that lineup's chemistry is going to be kind of skewed as well, I, I I tend to think not. I I know it had problems in crunch time, but I think that stuff that they're just going to figure out. So for me, like if I'm looking at it, and I see Nurkic is on the floor. I'm happy to go to that lineup and take advantage of them. Yeah. Yeah. I tend to agree with you there, Mo. I think it's two things. You lose some stamina when you don't play hoops for a couple of weeks, although it's an arm injury. So I'm sure he's probably been moving around a lot. Right. Um, 
but blood flow, right? I mean, just the, the weakness in the arm there, the last thing you want to do is is get re-injured. And I hate to spend too much time on Nurkic here because there's obviously a much more significant piece of the puzzle who missed some time and is just getting reintegrated back into his team and Kevin Durant. But I think we'll talk plenty more about Golden State as the playoffs go on. So I will leave you guys with a, a quicker uh, uh, account of this series and, and really just say that I think Golden State sweeps them. I don't think it's a particularly close series. And I think that you're going to see Golden State lose minimal games throughout the playoffs in general. That's my larger prediction, but I do think this is going to be a sweep. Um, maybe one or two of the games at the Rose Garden will be will be tight because it's just a really difficult place the to play Moda and Center. a great atmosphere. The Moda Center. M- What's it called now? It's now called the Moda <laughs> Center. It's it's BS. I know the it's Rose Garden was a Rose great Garden. name. Yeah. Great name. Then that's uh, just you know it's just the way things are. It's I'm sure there's a brand in front of. Uh, I guess there probably isn't one in front of Wrigley, but whatever. You know the point I'm making. Wrigley. <laughs> Wrigley. Yeah, it's, it's the brand. It's, well, it, Wrigley is the brand. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which, which is ridiculous because like how could a gum company possibly be able to own uh, their naming rights to like the third most valuable fr- North American franchise or whatever it is? At this I, point, I guess they so. just attached themselves there and then just stuck. Yeah. They like they, they bought them for a nickel, but yeah, no, it's you didn't catch that though. <laughs> no, I got it. The that sticking was, part. That was special. Yeah. Well, All right. If you were uh, looking for the Mike Pond and me using the word holistic, this is a this is a total uh, limited upside uh, coming at you podcast here. All right. So uh, that's my prediction. Um, do either of you disagree with uh, with that kind of assessment? Nope. I- I would say that Port- the the Warriors are going to give up a game in Portland because they never sweep a team. They always just let down. So, and Lillard can and McCollum can just have one game where they go off. So I'll say five games. Okay, I'm I'm going sweep. I just don't I just don't see it with Portland. <clears throat> if Nurkic isn't healthy, they got blown out without him pretty much in, in most of their se- their regular season matchups. You know, I I just I just don't see it. I think. He got to remember, like the the Warriors hear these things, and they they remember how everybody was talking up Portland after how tough of a series it was last year for them. Yeah, yeah. I, I I they these dudes like they take offense to these the weirdest things sometimes, and it and it starts with Draymond. Sure, but you know, and 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 he hears it, and he hears it, and I could just see him going like, "Nope, we're sweeping these dudes." Yeah. So mm-hmm. I'm I, I'm interested. I'm interested to see it. I think it's going to happen. I think they're going to get swept. I and it's not a slight on Portland. I think Portland's a pretty good team. I just think Golden State's better. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think, think they're going to agree waste that Golden teams. State is better than Portland. Yes, yes nice. we can all agree on that. <laughs> <laughs> but, and, yeah. and, and look, part of it too is like when you go through the experience of losing last year, where technical fouls accumulated on Draymond Green throughout the course of games, they might not have wanted to play in the series previously. And that affected the NBA finals, right? So, like, play the minimal games, get through without injuries, get through without, hopefully, Draymond doesn't take this stuff too personally and do anything about it, retaliatory, uh, you know, speaking on, on the court, but, uh, um, or inadvertently in a reaction that involves his leg, even though he's a massive guy. Um, hopefully none of that happens this year. The, the, the off the court and the kind of like non X's and O's non basketball related stuff was, was really big last year for golden state, the narratives. And hopefully this year it's much more uh, about basketball, about them getting together and, 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 you know, proving the whole world. Like Mike just said, um, you know, that last year, certain things that didn't go their way or, or the most said there with uh, some fodder from the, the greater NBA community, maybe that's just Bolton board for a team who doesn't even need it, but might even still use it. So that's uh that's that series. Let's go to the two verse seven. That's the Spurs versus Memphis. We, you know, just got the news before this podcast that Tony Allen's going to be out likely for this series and definitely currently. 
Oh, for Memphis again, like Mahimi, yeah, like Mahimi, just a, a last game of the season, you know, right. non significant game. They were already locked into this series, and and there goes extremely important part of their team uh, in a lot of ways. But um, I don't think it's going to have too much of a binding on this series. Uh, oh, I think it will actually. To, I think that's when a, we get that's to the predictions. When we get to the predictions, when we get to predictions. Okay. Well, let me first all get right, to. Right. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, I agree, he's a big loss, but I'm, like I was saying, the outcome of the series. So let's get to that. Uh, let's get to that second. There was another question Mo had with the uh, the Portland uh, and and Warriors series, but we'll get to that another time. Um, let's go right to the the Grizzlies question we have here. Uh, is this the best matchup for the Grizzlies, or that they could have asked for in the Western Conference for for their first round, as they're going to match up with another team that likes to play, and their optimal lineup has two bigs? What do you think, Mike? Um, that's actually a good question. Um, on the one hand, yes, because, you know, I w- again, I really think Tony Allen's a big loss because like, if you play the Spurs, you can, you obviously need Tony Allen to guard Kawhi, but you can get away with him on the other end a little bit more because the Spurs don't have, I mean, unless the Spurs play a big on him, like you have to hide Tony Parker somewhere and then he's not as good a health defender, but you know, on the one hand, then yes, I would say it is good. On the other hand, there's no way that Memphis can really enforce their will on San Antonio. I think they kind of played San Antonio ball light, you know. So, I mean, this this smells like a series where each game is kind of tight, but like San Antonio just kind of pulls away at the end and all of them, you know. And so that it depends on how you look at it. You know, I think they have a better chance of maybe being competitive, but a worse chance of actually winning, if that makes any sense. No, that makes that makes plenty of sense, and. You know, when I wrote this question, this was obviously before the Tony Allen news broke out. <laughs> um, and, yeah, I, I I just feel like nowadays for teams when you play a, a Houston or a, a Golden State, you have to be prepared for them to go small. And that generally kind of takes away your second big. And I know they don't start Zach Randolph, but I know he's such a big part of that team. And that Marcus Ole zach Randolph team really kind of – you know, that tandem right there is, is is very difficult to defend. And they have great chemistry having played together for so long. I think this was perfect for them because then they get to play these guys together more. I think now with the, you add in the Tony Allen wrinkle, which is what I think you were saying, Preda, is it, it makes it a closer game, but they just have no chance of winning the series. The series was going to be much closer to me because of that, because that's the guy that's going to guard Kawhi most nights. You know, and 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 he's not going to give you much offensively. His job is to expend all of his energy chasing Kawhi around the court. Right. And you're not going to stop him, but your job is to just make him as inefficient as possible, get him take as many shots as possible, and kind of hound him. So I think that's the what they're going to miss with Tony Allen, and I think it kind of really opens the door the doors for the Spurs to have an easier uh, series, just because going into this with Tony Allen. This was a even series, two and two in the regular season, and and they were close games and they were hard fought. Yeah, I, I mean still, the two the, the one game Memphis lost in San Antonio was the game that Conley like kind of broke his face and he missed the yeah. end of the game. I mean they could have easily won that game too. Yeah, right. I mean Spurs are a team whose offensive efficiency is something like a hundred and eight or hundred and nine something like that it's high up top ten in the league and the most points they scored in a game this year in the four against Memphis was 97 points. So, 
there's something to that. 97, 96, 74, and, and 95 uh, in their four games. So there's definitely something to be said for, for you guys maybe convincing me a little bit more of the significance of this Tony Allen uh, injury. I know the greater NBA community, by the way, like that that injury when it went up on Twitter, more random people who were both writers and players chimed in on that immediately <laughs> than any injury I've seen in a while. Like Mahimi goes down and there's like – a subreddit thread with one guy being like, "Hey, he plays in the NBA," and then and then and then <laughs> well, I Tony Allen gets. I wonder why that is. <laughs> Tony Allen gets hurt, and then the entire greater NBA world is like up in arms. And I think it speaks to how much respect he has uh, from well, the, for the community. He, he's the godfather of the grit and grind. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How, how can you so, not be? So, Matt well, he's also just you know he's still he still can can link those you know the Kevin Garnett James Posey era of how you want to play playoff basketball right. to the next grit and grind layer of Memphis basketball to this you know slightly different iteration that they are now so, so. two two quick x's and o's sort of questions about this series one is is it nice for the Spurs the Spurs that they now have a hiding spot for Tony Parker i mean you would think that Danny Green would guard Conley. Maybe Kawhi would do a little bit of it, you know, in that series. But they they can throw two guys at him. Now they can put, uh, you know, Parker on. I don't know, like who's going to even start small forward now? James Ennis. I mean, is Wayne, Wayne Sullivan going to make an impact? Like, yeah. what's that? Like, I don't even know, like, Long who they're going to. Sorry, James Ennis. Yeah. yeah, and then the other question I had, I, I don't know if there's an easy. I think the answer there is easy, but the the one thing I'm curious about is like. Can Marcus Sol shooting like kind of make the Spurs change anything about how they defend? And normally, I mean, is that going to be any sort of X factor in sort of breaking the uh, sort of da- drop and sort of recover defense that they play? Yeah, I mean, you when it comes to to his shooting, you definitely have to go and and contest. It may not be crazy hard, but you're going to go out there and 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 put it out there. And they have pick and roll rotations left and right in San Antonio. The uh, just think about it this way. The number of times they've had to play a shooting big in the playoffs just down the road in Dallas. <laughs> I, I mean, like the, it, it wouldn't be, I w- it wouldn't be a huge adjustment for them, for the coaching staff to go like, well, we can do this defense that we have, we implied on, on Dirk and, and, and in pick and pop situations and, and make sure we get out to him. You know, your, your first question of, can they hide Tony Parker at this point? It, yeah, I mean, at that point, you you have a guy, you know, Tony can now hide a little bit, and 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 you can sort of cover that up, you know, and and I think you're right. I think Danny Green guards Connolly. I think you have Kawhi start out on Vince, and Tony just takes the other guy because that's basically what that position has been for them, anyways. You know, Tony Allen hasn't been that great offensively to begin with. He does a phenomenal job back cutting and things like that, and they're they're going to miss his movement. But they're not going to miss. It's not like he was like a deadly shooter or anything like that. And he wasn't going to post up Tony or anything like that. It's weird when they're both first names are Tony. Um, <laughs> he had that. But, yeah, he had that phase last year when they had nobody where he was like going one on one in the post, which I thought was sort of hilarious. But um, yeah, no, that's true. I mean, and the other thing, too, is that the idea of like Parker being a crappy help defender, I think doesn't matter as much when it's not like Memphis has like a dive threat that you have to sort of suck in to guard or whatever, you know, like they just, they're, they, they're not going to have a guy that kind of rolls down the lane and really occupies attention. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm a little bummed because I think with Tony Allen, like kind of limiting Kawhi, this could have been more interesting. Now I'm not so yeah. sure. 
what's your what's your pre, what would have been your pre Tony Allen prediction, and then give us your actual uh, prediction now, Mike? Uh, six games with Tony Allen. I think now it's five. All right, Mo. Yeah, I'm I'm with you with Tony Allen. I was thinking six, possibly even seven. I thought they could have really stretched them and and, and challenged the Spurs. Now I'm going. It's it's five, and and I'm not ruling out the fact that they might get swept. Wow. All right. Well, I'll say this. I think that I think the Spurs have the best player in this series, but I'm not sure that uh, the the next two best players aren't on Memphis. So with that being said, Connolly and Gasol, who knows? Zebo doesn't have many postseasons left in him or many even seasons of basketball left in him. So I don't know. I feel I always feel tough picking against Memphis to to get blown away in anything just because they kind of have this like rubber feel to them where they, they're just there to bounce back. They're, they're a tough mental team, um, well coached with even their new coach now, who I guess has never been a head coach in the playoffs, but has plenty of playoff experience being with Spo on his team uh, in Fisdale there. So I, I'm going to say this is going to go seven, guys. I'm still going right. to go seven. All yeah, right. okay. uh, nice. you guys have did such a good job of convincing me throughout the course of the last five minutes uh, that I'm going to go seven game series right now. Uh, and and with that being said, I, I kind of think that Connolly holds the keys to this series, maybe even more so than Kawhi does, even though Kawhi is the best player in the series. Um, point guards are an odd thing. That ball is going to be in Gasol's hands a heck of a lot, and when it's not, in, I'm sorry, in Connolly's hands a heck of a lot, and when it's not, it's going to be in Gasol's hands. And those are two really trustworthy guys um, who make good decisions and are extremely, you know well versed in the in the playmaking abilities both of them can pass so maybe the the lesser players who you might be worried about not making those dives or being the cutters or other options might be slightly more open uh, because of the passing of those two guys i don't know spitballing here trying to give a few different takes on these series and, and that this one feels like it could go longer the one thing i'd say about this one is that it feels like when they met in the conference finals a few years ago mm. and the spurs just dominated them because the other thing about memphis is they really don't have a ton of shooters. It's yeah. Connolly, Gasol, and uh, Carter to me. And after that, they really don't have a lot of guys that can spread the floor all that much. Daniels, but he's going to get yeah. a turnstile on the other end. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's so, true. You know, yeah. so I, I, it, it has a feel to me for that. That's why I think there's a possibility that they might just get run out. Yeah. But you, you're right about Memphis being one of those teams that just – they're the team whenever you, you draw them in the playoff, you're just like, damn it. Yeah, they're gonna be so physical. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And a great home advantage there. You'd be, yeah. you'd be uh, remiss to not mention that Memphis's fans are, are tremendous and, and really get behind their team. Um, okay, All right, three, the two good back, series. Though. Let's do yeah. these two. These are the ones I'm really excited about. <laughs> now that we've been podcasting for like an hour and twenty minutes, we'll get to the two series that uh, that actually pique Mike's interest here. So this is good. <laughs> um, and and most of the NBA world looks at these two as the. I'd, I'd argue probably the top two uh, series of the first round. Um, so let's go to uh, let's go to the one with the two MVP uh, front runners with Houston in the three seed, Oklahoma City in the six seed. Uh, the Rockets won the regular season series three one. Uh, I think I think Oklahoma City. I don't have it in front of me. I just have my notes. But I think Oklahoma City won the first game and then lost the next three, I believe. But the last time they played, Houston put up like almost a buck forty, uh, which could be a larger theme for how you guys see and see this play out. I think they put up exactly um, a buck forty, right? Did they? Uh, I don't know. I, I know it was close to it. In my notes, I just have Houston offense went nuts last game because that one was most recent. That was in right. late March. Um, yeah. So so there's that. Um, oh, 137. 137. Okay. okay so 137. Right. So close. Still a ridiculous number. Yeah, it's still 137 points uh, the in regulation. See, the other three games were very close. They yeah, were all yeah, decided they were. by a bucket. 
That's right. That's right. So, so an interesting series. Obviously, the subplots here are plentiful. Harden, Westbrook, former teammates, all that good stuff. D'Antoni, uh, uh, obviously, getting to the playoffs again is something interesting for him uh, after you know the way he fell out with the Knicks and now being back in the playoffs with Houston and with his new uh, thoroughbreds here. So, let's get your guys' thoughts on this. We'll start with Mo's question again, um, and that is. Uh, what style wins out more over the course of a seven-game series here, Mike? Is that kick-out-and-three type style that the Rockets have, or is that the dump-off for layups owning the paint that Oklahoma City is going to have? And and if and when it does come down to the supporting cast, how do you see that varying between the two teams? Well, I mean, in a way, it's sort of an e- there's an easy answer to this, which is that three points are worth more than two. Um, but I know <laughs> that this is sort of a more complicated question than that. I mean, yeah. I think this is sort of... What we're basically saying is is that can Oklahoma City muck up the game enough to prevent the Rockets from kind of just barraging right. threes, right? I mean, that's basically what you're saying, ultimately. Mo, is that is that the ethos of that question? Yeah, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this is an interesting one to, to consider because if you look at sort of Houston's splits all year, like – when they lose, they basically just don't shoot well. Like, there hasn't been a consistent team that is actually able to limit the way they play in terms of, like, shooting a lot of threes. Like, sometimes, uh, like, they'll get their threes up regardless. And it's sort of a question of are they making them tonight or are they not, right? I mean, I guess – but at the same time, the Thunder can roll out a lot of very interesting defensive looks. They can – play really big and just kind of try to pound and do all that. They they have guys to throw at Harden. They have multiple good wing defenders because you also have Jeremy Grant you can play. Oladipo's pretty good. And then you can you have the card of Taj Gibson playing center. You could play and make power forward. They have a lot of – I mean, you can roll out a lineup that has five good defensive players. Now, you may have trouble scoring. So – I think it's an interesting question to consider. Like, if the Rockets played the Thunder every game, would they still be able to get their three point shots off? Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's, I know, I asked this question because I actually knew the stats. I did a, uh, I did a, I did a a pod breakdown of just this series uh, earlier this week. And it was really interesting. A couple of things that really kind of stood out to me was, you know, in Houston's, you know, in the, in the losses to Houston, I'm sorry, I might have been screwing this up. Sorry. Roberson's defense against Harden has been phenomenal. Mm. All right. And and to the point that he's kept he's kept Harden to 20.5 points a game, shooting 34% from the field and 22.6 from three. And it's obviously not just all Roberson, you know, it's it's all the guys you mentioned, and it's, it takes a team and there's a ton of pick and roll. And how do you defend that? This is gonna be a big series. Really, for the the one dude that I think it really matters the most for is Stephen Adams. Interesting. Why is that? He's he's going to be in the pick and rolls a ton, and how he handles that stuff, how he handles the pick and rolls, whether he's ends up having to switch on to Harden or hedging and then getting back to Capella to take away the lob. Like we're going to see a lot of Stephen Adams in defense, and we're going to see we're going we're going to start figuring out if if he's the Adams that everybody's been talking about, or if he's just just too slow in this situation and and it's going to be hard for him and of course they can switch it up and put you know Gibson in there but we we all know Adams is going to play a ton of minutes they they will search him out and pick and rolls you know defensively though they've they definitely challenge teams you know the 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 the, the thunder 
aren't really an offensive crazy threat. They don't shoot the three ball well. They're not they're not that efficient in that regards. But you know, they're 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 gonna struggle playing playing against this style of defense because you know they get spread out so much. So it'll be really interesting to see how this all breaks down. But I think the uh, the other interesting thing for the 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 other interesting matchup is Patrick Beverly and Russell Westbrook matching up again. Oh yeah, I mean there are going to be some <laughs> fireworks there. Uh, I'm looking this up. So you're right that the Thunder did not shoot or the Rockets did not shoot the ball well percentage wise against the Thunder. Um, the amount of attempts I think is sort of the big thing I'm curious about and I'm looking at this first game Houston shot 43 second game 42 threes third game only 30 or no that's Oklahoma City what am I doing third game 39 threes uh and then of course in the fourth game when they got blown out uh they took 39 threes so I mean only once did they play with this current group but that does not bode well I think for Oklahoma City that they didn't really do anything to prevent the threes from going up you know because you know, ultimately, if if the threes go up, I mean, you're basically just saying like you may have like two, one or two games where you're not making them, but you know, chances are the Rockets are going to make them. You know, and the other the, thing, I mean, maybe you disagree, but like that to me is like sort of the big the big question. You know, it, maybe there's something that Billy Donovan can do to make that easy, make it easier to prevent threes from going up. Maybe he can switch more. You know, we didn't see a ton of that in those four games. Yeah, no, I I agree with you on that. The other stuff that I kind of notice or, or know about the playoffs is you're allowed to be a lot more physical. And I think that's something that's going to affect guys like Lou Williams, who's a finesse guy. Oh, absolutely. This is going to affect Harden. I mean, Harden needs to get to the line. I mean, this happens sure. every playoffs for him, does it not? Yes, that's right. It does. Yeah. And it's going to be another issue there, you know, and, and for a team that's so focused on getting to the line and when they get into the paint and Harden does the arm thing or whatever, you know, <laughs> it's going to be, much more difficult, harder to get to that line. And then on top of that, it just plays right into Oklahoma City's hands, right? A more physical series, a more kind of like we get to beat you up a little bit. We get to hold you a little more. We get to kind of push you a bit more. This is kind of what that team's built for. Oh, yeah. So I think that's the stuff that's going to be really interesting to watch is it's, it's hard to say, you know, hey, watch how this game's officiated. But how each of these games officiated is going to dictate who really has an advantage on that team. Because they're essentially the same team, just with a different style. It's you funny. They, they both play with crazy pace, but one seems to be like the pace that, uh, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of. A, okay. When you, when you watch bumper cars, that's one type of frenetic pace another thing is like figure skating which is a non-stop beautiful thing that's kind of how i see this like you have yeah, that's one a very team interesting looking... analogy <laughs> but not but not because <laughs> totally like, right? houston doesn't play that fast but like figure skaters don't figure skate fast so i see where you're going yeah with that. but there's yeah. a there's a method to what they're doing it's all premeditated there's like a smooth uh, uh outcome that they're looking to get and houston still played with like the third fastest pace pace in general is down this year in the league but they still play with third fastest it's a, they played 1025 third third in the NBA and uh, Oklahoma City 100.5 eighth in the NBA. So yeah, both top 10. I thought the Rockets were a little down. Um now the flip side of this is that if you're Houston, one of the big concerns I think you have in most series as I get my Hebe Brown voice on is that you <laughs> you don't have like you would have to you wouldn't have a hiding place for some of these bad defenders that they play like Ryan Anderson and and Lou and 
Uh, you know, you even, have to ask yourself the question and then answer it. Like, <laughs> even hard to some degree. Uh, but in this series, you definitely have hiding places. You know, so yeah. those guys can stay on the floor a little bit more than they would in some other series. Like you can play that three guard lineup that they love to play when Harden's not in the game with Gordon, Beverly, and Lou Williams. Like there are some matches you can't play that lineup. Like I think you can play that lineup in this in this series. Absolutely, absolutely. There's there's just not. That's the Oklahoma City weakness, you know, and they're going to need guys like Abrinas to really have a big series. They're going to is he healthy? I thought he's hurt. He's hurt. I'm not sure if he's going to be back in time. I I don't think he was crazy hurt though. I thought he was coming back relatively okay. soon. Um, and that's a technical term, crazy hurt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, we're doctors here. It's that's kind of like the 360, whatever you were saying about Davey a little yeah. earlier. Yeah. 360 people. Yeah. So yeah, that's a media term. I don't want to get into this, guys, but yeah, I mean, it's whatever. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, and then you look at, you know, another guy who really asked, could, could really do a great level for his stock is Dougie McDermott. Hmm. Um, you, you know, they need shooting on the floor. You know, he's not going to defend, but this is also a series that's not going to be built on defense. You know, this is they're going to need shooting on the floor, and he's a guy that can shoot. Whether he does a good job of that's going to be a different issue. You know, um, I'm skeptical. I am skeptical. Mike's a guy that can shoot. No, you're right. I mean, they they need somebody, especially if Abrinas can't go. But the other last question I have, actually, this thing's, I think this is a really important question in the series, is that so. During the regular season, you know, Russ played about, what, like 34 minutes a game, something mm-hmm. like that. Um, and when he didn't play, they were a total train wreck. And when he did play, they were a very good team, right? So now it's the playoffs. I mean, would you just play Russell Westbrook all 48 minutes if you're the Thunder? Like, why wouldn't you just do that? Like, wh- why would you ever sit him out? And if you do sit him out, like, you know, if you don't sit him out at all, like, doesn't that sort of make this series a lot more even? Yeah, you know, th- it's interesting because it's, they purposely, you can almost see it the way they, uh, Donovan coached this year and, and, and did his lineups. Like they were adamant about how many minutes Westbrook was going to play. They didn't want to wear him down. And it's really interesting when you have somebody whose body is conditioned now to play 34 minutes and now you're going to ask him to play 48 or 40 even, you know, that's six more minutes that he's not used to, you know, and, and that's kind of a thing that you, it, I, I don't know how his body will react to it. I, he's been a freak this year, so he could probably play sixty minutes and be fine. Yeah, but but it's definitely a question that I, I'd look at. He's going to play more minutes. He's going to get more than thirty four. I'd I'd be shocked if he played anything less than thirty eight. Um, well, I think he'll be well over forty. I, they're going to look to get that like odd minute um, between the third and fourth quarters, and and maybe you know, a minute or two in the first half, but I have a hard time envisioning a series where the, the lead is comfortable enough for Oklahoma city that they can be like, I will give Russ off the first five of the fourth. Yeah, and, you know? if, and if you don't play him, you you would definitely not play Samaj Christian. Like, why wouldn't you just play Victor yeah. Dima, a point guard or something like right. you just, those minutes are going to kill you in the playoffs. You can't, you can't get away with that. Absolutely. And I, I, I would definitely expect Oladipo's minutes to go up as well, just because of that. It's going to be more of Oladipo time when they do sit Russ for however long they do. One thing that was really cool back in the day when the NBA was on uh, NBC was they used to do actual time. They used to keep track of how many minutes rest guys got. Yep. Oh, that, you know? that's right. They did. Yeah. Yep. And, 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 and that's what I used to think was interesting in terms of how a coach uses a timeout. Yep. You know, and, and, and when you use the timeout and then the commercial break and, and getting the guy a rest, if, 
you know, and, and it would turn out like the guy, you know, sat out the last minute and 25 seconds, but actually rested for six full minutes. And you're like, oh, well, that's pretty good. And now with just the amount of stoppages that we have in a game with replays and all of these things, it's it's almost even he's going to he, he might be able to sneak in another minute or two of rest that might happen by chance. It's not something they right. can count on, but it's going to be interesting to see all that. And and I think you're right. He's going to take an odd minute off here and there. Yeah, it's such a big series, though, too, for for a few reasons, but uh, Obviously, you have the the head to head component, uh, and then you have the uh, the idea that both these teams have kind of become darlings of the NBA. I mean, look, I'm a league pass guy. So are you guys. I caught more individual performances this year from you know from Harden and Westbrook than I think I ever could have could have asked for. But then on the on the flip side of that, you know, there are a lot of guys here who have been pretty maligned throughout their career. You mentioned Anderson and and uh, Lou Williams and Gordon uh, just on on the Rockets. You know, these are guys who are more synonymous with the injuries that have plagued them than their skill sets, which are actually pretty dynamic. And then in terms of talk about a guy who I've shit on countless times on this podcast, I Old Depot needs to show me something. This is a great platform to do that. Um, and, and I'm, I'm looking forward to, I totally agree. Mike, no Samaj Christian, uh, that can't happen. No. Um, <laughs> you know, that not even for a few minutes. Um, and definitely that's not with Westbrook. I don't know no. what he's thinking playing those lineups. Yeah. And maybe that was just to see it, just to see or it. Also, Abrinas was hurt, but, um, yeah, yeah I don't yeah. know. So, I mean, I think so, we're all agreeing this is going to be a pretty good series. This is going to live yeah. up to the billing. Yeah. So I'll, I'll tee it off. I think before, that the Rockets win in seven. Before, before, before you get up. Yeah. Well, before you get off. I have one question for you guys because we touched sure. on it earlier. How much is experience going to play in this series? Because who's more experienced? We, I th- Oklahoma, I think, is way more experienced than these guys. I, I, I know Harden has it, but this is Eric Gordon's second playoff series. Yeah. He got swept when he was in uh, the, the Pelicans. Pelicans, yeah. Ryan Anderson has had a, a couple more playoff series just with Orlando, you know, and 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 with the Pelicans as well. But Clint Capella. I don't know how much playoff experience he has where he's played big, big minutes like he is now. Like I'm, I'm not sure. Lou played for the Sixers to a couple. I would also say that Nene is probably going to be get the crunch time minutes, I would it's think, true. in this series. Wouldn't you think? I mean, if I would put him out there in crunch to time. To body yeah. up with Adams, yeah. But have you guys ever looked at Lou Williams' playoff numbers? Oh, I have, <laughs> yeah. I have looked many times. Ben has. They are terrible. They're they are really horrible. bad. Um, so, no, I think it might be yeah. some factor. I, I, I would – it definitely feels like, look, if the game is close, like, you know, and we just go off how clutch numbers were this year. I mean, you would definitely trust the Thunder over the Rockets right. in a really right. tight game, wouldn't you? Yeah. yeah. I mean, we'll see if that holds up, but yeah. that would be the obvious, I think, thing to point to. So, yeah, I mean, that that would be a factor. And and let's let's also just point out, too, that like this, <laughs> this exact same Thunder coaching staff made the, you know, run to being a game away from the Western or from the uh, NBA finals last year, obviously the complexion of the team has changed a lot. And so has, you know, what they run from an offensive standpoint, but that maybe from a staff standpoint, there's more experience right now. I don't know the full staffs as you go down the bench, but uh, this Thunder team was a game removed from or a game away from being in the finals last year. So there's an element of that. And there's also just proving you're better without the guy who left you, which right. is ultimately what both teams are trying to do with you talk about Dwight and, and, and uh, Kevin Durant. So there's, there's some very similar, parallels between these teams um and 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 part of the reason why it's going to be a well showcased game for the nba i mean this worked out tremendously for the league itself um as the debate rages on about the mvp they're going to play each other um so there'll be no waste there 
Yeah, and so so it's I, too bad I we're not going to have like there have the award ceremonies, and we're not going to have the Hakeem Olajuwon, David Robinson oh, moment God. like we did back in the day. That would have been can't great. Do that again, yeah, yeah, that would have been amazing. Can we please do that? Just <laughs> do the award show next year. I just want to see that, and who, and I want to see the other guy's game after that. Like that's all I just want. Like come on. <laughs> Oh, that would yeah, be right. great. Um, all right, I I'm gonna say <laughs> I, I, seven. I Houston games. and seven. Uh, go go ahead, Mike. Yeah, Houston and seven games too. I think this will be a series where both teams win a lot on the other's home floor. You know, so I think it's gonna be sort of a chaotic seven, but I think it will be the Rockets and seven. I'm gonna go OKC and seven. Wow. Okay. And this is, and, and and I I'm just not gonna go against playoff for us. <laughs> I'm terrified of him. I'm, I'm, I, listen, man, he dunks that ball so angry. <laughs> like I'm terrified of him. That's I, basically my MVP debate for him. That the way you summed up how hard he dunks the basketball is my entire uh, uh, debate for him for being MVP. Oh, no. Yeah, the rigged debate you I had. heard that podcast you guys did on the MVP debate. <laughs> Thank you. I'm that still mad about that. I that you had a very biased judge that was. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> <laughs> totally. And now that you're telling shocking. me that you picked him because of the way he dunks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a soap opera twist as I'm listening to a podcast where I like, wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Perfect. That was a great podcast. I I I, if you haven't listened to it, you gotta go listen to it. It was just great. You guys were awesome on that. Everybody (laughs) you had on there, I loved it. That was and I was tired of the MVP debate, but I was like, screw it. I'm going to listen to it. And I was like, these dudes are killing each other. I said, thank God I'm just doing playoff previews. <laughs> yeah. Well, the easy stuff. We're glad well, you we liked it. Um, all right. We should talk about this last <laughs> yeah. series while we all have right. a chance. Cause we, last series. we talked last about series. how this is like an awesome series and now we're running out of time to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. We need to make sure we get this in. So there's a question from Mo and then I'm going to tee off question two. And, uh, and then Mike obviously have the first stab at it. Most question was, can Utah score enough points to keep up with the Clippers? And my question is, because both these teams sit in a very interesting place with the fragility of their rosters and players that could be re-signed or leave or if you wanted to reboot the entire system, potentially, in the Clippers' case, who does this series mean more to holistically, Mike, from an ah, organizational standpoint? <laughs> from an organizational standpoint, which uh, which of these teams has more pressure on them in this series? So first hit up uh, Moe's more X's and O's question, and then we'll all kind of debate that or that larger question because these 4-5 matchups are always interesting. Well, especially this 4-5 matchup. Um, can the Jazz score enough against the Clippers? You know, I think one of the, the keys to answering that question is, First of all, health. I mean, I would feel a lot better about the Jazz's chances if I really knew how healthy like George Hill and Rodney Hood and Derek Favors were. I know they've played recently, but it does feel like a lot of one step forward, two steps back with those guys. And I, I if they can hold up over a series, that's one thing. You know, the other question I think too is that like can the Clippers play Luke Richard Bamute in this series for long stretches? Because when he's been in the game, Gordon Hayward has not played very well. You know, he had. I guess he went off in that third game where they could made shots. But Mbamute's done a pretty good job on Gordon Hayward, and if he can stay on the floor and is not just played off because he's not shooting well, you know, it might be tough for Utah to get generate offense because you know that I mean Chris Paul is going to step up his defensive game in the playoffs, and that's going to take away sort of your two yeah. big best options. So I mean, that to me is sort of the secondary question of this series. Yeah, I. Luka Mbamute has got to hit shots for them to be able to play in the series. Like they just can't, you can't go five on four on our four on five on offense. Like that's just, 
it's it's too difficult in that situation. As he, he's had a career year shooting threes, and I pulled up the stats to see what he did against Utah, and there, it's actually really interesting what the Warriors shot against Utah from three, being one of the better three point shooting teams in the league. The 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 excuse me, the Jazz have done a great job defensively. You know the 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 Clippers shoot. 31.2% from three, which is way below their average. Mm-hmm. Their, J.J. Redick is shooting about 10, point, 10 percentage points less against the Jazz than he is against the uh, the rest of the NBA. And, and Chris Paul is a 27.3% three-point shooter against the Jazz this season in the three games he played. You know, and, and you know, Omba Amute, oddly enough, 40% shooter. So they're leaving him. He's getting open looks. You know, he's not averaging a ton of shots. He's averaging 1.3 attempts, but he's making 40% of them. I mean, that attempt number is going to go up because they need him. He has to be able to play on the court because he's the guy that can stop Hayward for them. He's a great defensive player. But if he shits the bed and isn't making shots, they're in trouble. Like, then they're going to have issues, you know, and and – and that's the big problem for the Clippers is can they play in Bahamute? Right. I just don't know if the Jazz can score enough. I was amazed when I looked at the stats. They're one of they're in the bottom third in assists per game. And right. I'm like, that that just doesn't even seem right. Like feeling the seeing what I see in the offense. Like I was like, that just didn't make sense. I had to go watch some video and it it, it turns out a lot of these guys at the end of games have to create or end of the shot clock have to create for themselves. Yeah, I mean, why does Rudy Gobert have so many screen assists? Because what they, because all he does is he sets these high screens and they pull up for, you know, fourteen footers, right? Yeah, I mean, like that's sort of how they play. So they throw these like kind of passes in order to break down the defense. But yeah, that's a really fascinating stat when you think about how their their offense works, and, mm-hmm. and that tires you out. That's a lot more pressure. Granted, they've been doing it all year, so maybe they're fine. But you're also, as we've talked about before, you're not getting to the line as often as you were before. You're, they are focusing in more on you than they have been before. And the Clippers have owned them. Yeah, I, mean, I they, think that's the big point here. The Clippers, yeah. just, there's a mental block. for Because if you look at the the way the teams are set up, like this shouldn't be this should be the kind of team that Jazz can play against. But there's some sort of mental block. I mean, you saw when they lost in L.A. the last time, Rudy Gobert went off on his teammates. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, and, and we got to remember, too, that Hayward left, you know, middle of the fourth quarter, I think, when he banged knees with somebody. So, you know, and, and that last six minute stretch and health has been an issue for them. This is oddly an experienced and inexperienced Utah Jazz team. They're the, the guys at the end of the bench are pretty experienced and guys who will see minutes. Joe Johnson has a lot of playoff experience. Diaw obviously, with the Spurs. You know, a lot of playoff experience. George Hill with his travels in San Antonio and Indiana. But then your guys like Hayward isn't that experienced in the playoffs. I don't even know if Mike Hood's been in the playoffs. I think this is Gobert's first one. You guys can correct me if I'm no, wrong. It, no, it, it is Rodney? his first one. Rodney Hood? Yeah, yeah Rodney, Rodney Hood. Yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah. Hayward was there when Darren Williams was there, but that was a long time ago. I mean, they haven't been back in, what, five years? Yeah. Yeah, and and, and so like – that's another interesting component. Now we're dealing with a Clipper team who has been in the playoffs the past few years, has oh, had yeah. v- amazing flameouts in the second round, and just yep. it, it, doing what they do, you know. And and but they've all these guys are playoff tested. They all know what to expect. And to go back to your question, Ben, of who who does this yeah. matter? 
Yeah, yeah. Let's get to that part. Sorry. <laughs> oh, you know, this is, this is, that's a great segue. Mo, you might have your own podcast or something. Uh, it's shocking. Uh, they let <laughs> me speak into a mic. Um, you know, it matters for the Clippers way more. Mm-hmm. I think, I, I don't, I don't know if Hayward leaves or not. You know, it's, it's a question of they're going to be able to offer him more money. I don't think he's going to make it to the super max list, you know, the extent that crazy extension or whatever it is. Um, but I don't, I just don't see him kind of leaving that situation. The Clippers, if they flame out, I mean, look at it this way. Blake Griffin's a free agent. Chris Paul's a free agent. J.J. Reddick's a free agent. That's three guys out of your top four. Now also add in this crazy wrinkle. And it, it might just be rumors, but Rob Hennigan's got fired in Orlando today. There have been connections of Doc going to Orlando. Oh, yeah. It's, I mean, yep. there's so, so Doc could be on his way out for all we know. It's it's a this it's not just this round this series yep. but the next round and 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 breaking through for a team that's struggled so many times to try to break through like this is a huge playoffs let alone this yeah. round i mean you lose in the first round i mean if you're chris paul are you looking around going like cool i know i'm about to make a huge payday but i'm that never, i negotiated I'm, by the way that, yeah absolutely <laughs> you know he's negotiated this payday but is it am i okay with this payday and and being more compared to Carmelo Anthony, right? Yeah. Or do I need to go? Do I need to go try to win a ring? That'd do be I unfair to Chris Paul and his sensibilities of basketball to be compared 100%, to Carmelo. One hundred percent, absolutely. Yeah. But you know yeah. what I mean in the yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, yep. does this help the Clippers? I almost wonder if. So I totally agree. There's way more pressure on them because even with Utah's going with its sort of issues with their contracts and with Hayward and they need to break through like they're they're still a pretty young team that you know unless they break up like they're gonna get more chances but the Clippers like the fact that this is really now or never like does that contribute to maybe a more of a bunker mentality where they say you know what forget all the bullshit we've dealt with all year like this is it like we really got to focus whereas Utah you know there is a sense of you know they haven't been in they haven't like seized the moment the way the Clippers have. So I wonder if that actually may work in the Clippers favor. Well, it doesn't work in the Clippers favor is that Austin rivers is injured already. And so they're the bench units. Like, I mean, they're going to get, I think killed when they have their bench in there. And so their starters just have to be really lights out for them to win this series. You know? And then the other question is like, Blake, can Blake Griffin like prevent the jazz from going small? Because he certainly couldn't in the last couple of games they played. It, It was interesting, you know, like in those games, like, there were a couple of times where Joe Johnson or Gordon Hayward were able to stand him up in the post. And I was like, whoa, that's yeah. crazy. You know, now granted the Clippers have won three, out, three out of those four games, but that was a really uh, impressive thing to see and go like, wow, that's, that's a problem for the Clippers going forward. Cause yeah, if they go small, that's an issue, but I think it also helps them cause they get to try to stagger minutes more. And they can sort of stagger DeAndre Jordan and Blake Griffin when they go small. Of course, losing Austin Rivers does sort of hurt that whole situation because then it's who amazing you amazing we're saying that, but it's true, yeah, right? Hey, give the kid credit. I'm not a huge fan, but you have to give him credit. He's had a great year. He's been, he's you know, I I generally hate his attitude on the court from what I see, but he's play. He balls out. He plays. So you have to give him credit for that. But it is amazing. You know, two years ago, we told me Rivers was going to play an important piece of the uh, the Clippers playoff puzzle. I'd been like, yeah, of course, Doc's the coach. <laughs> Doc, Doc, Doc matters. And then you told me it was Austin. I'd have been like, oh, wait, what? Yeah. So, <laughs> that's, that's definitely an interesting thing. 
I yeah. it's it's a it's a tough series for both teams. And how I do think, you uh, how do you see it going, Ma? I I think this one this one goes seven. All right, and and, and who wins? <laughs> yeah, shoot. I mean, I'm gonna go with the Clippers. I'm I'm gonna bet on Chris Paul. You know, and 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 him kind of, if he has to take control of the reins, he will. But it's definitely uh, it's going to be a battle for these guys. Sure. But what do you think, Mike? You know, it, it really part of it depends on two factors that I really don't have a good feel for. One is health. You know, are the Jazz really fully healthy? Like, can we count on those guys to you know play big minutes and you know not be banged up between games? You know, because. Like if George Hill can't play any of these games, a game in this series, like the the Jazz are going to lose that game. And if George Hill is limited, that's going to really hurt them because he's the guy to guard Chris Paul. And like you don't, I don't trust Dante Exum in this series. I don't trust uh, Shelvin Mack or Raul Neto. I mean, like that's a huge factor. And so I don't know that answer. The other thing is, if the the first two games are going to decide the series. I mean, that sounds so trite, but like if Utah gets one of those games, they could easily win the next two at home and just kind of ride the momentum. But if the Clippers get the first two, the Jazz are going to start doubting themselves. So I think that's the real tight, tough question here. I think the Clippers will win in, I think, seven games as well. But, you know, I, I think this is the, the tightest series out there. Um, and it's just really going to depend on those two factors that we don't have great answers for right now. Yeah, I agree with you guys uh, as well. I think Clippers in seven. I, you know, Mike, I like to look at the long, the long view narrative here, and I believe that the Clippers script was written to be finalized. That last chapter ends with them losing in a bitter series to Golden State, uh, <laughs> because that's just the way this was supposed to happen. Um, and then, secondly, it's that. And, and I guess to stay on that same mantra there, but like Golden State will be looking for reasons to get up in these other series that are not the NBA finals. And ultimately, if the Clippers and Chris Paul walk through that door, say no more. Um, last thought there, too, is Joe Johnson always deceptively way bigger than I envision in my head because he's, you know, he's a shooter in my mind. But then you see him stand next to Blake and they're roughly the same size human beings. They're pretty close. Um, so that's just one thought on that, uh, that uh, which was brought up about Joe Johnson getting his minutes on him uh, on Blake. Um, he's going to so be yeah, an important I, player in this series like that. Oh, that sure, might be sure. that might tip the skills for Utah. Just having that guy that they can get them a tough bucket and you play yeah. small with him and he, if he can guard Blake Griffin. I mean, that's sure. That was a this is why you get him so yeah, you know yeah. i'm it's, starting to reconsider my pick i don't know i i really have no good no idea on this series it's i'm, I'm so nervous about it. i'm nervous about it because i could see it going i could see the clippers just saying screw this we're going off and winning in five like mm-hmm. i could see i could see just so many different possibilities like this is one of those like i'm not betting on right. not that i'm betting on any of these nobody come sue me um, <laughs> but the uh but it's not one I, I I feel confident in any call I make. Yeah, it's like yeah. God, this can go either way, and and I I just wanted to go seven so that we have fun series and, totally. and and fun stuff to talk about. And you know, I have my buddy Joe Ingles on that team. I want to see him play well. You know, another uh, an Australian uh, homie. So you know, I just want him to play well and, and things like that. And it's going to be an interesting series. And Exum too, right? I guess maybe he was a little young when you were. I didn't get the, I didn't get Ingles was Exum. in L.A. right for a little bit you know that was the year that was after i left i was like of course i leave and now he makes it into the nba (laughs) wouldn't it be ironic if if they they let him go and he leads the jazz to the play to a playoff victory over them you know because he might just kind of let him go yeah i mean that would be something i don't know maybe a story only i care about 
They will be killing. They will be roasting Doc. I'll just say for the Clippers that losing in this first round is going to be a massive catastrophe for them. Yeah. <laughs> All right, that's a great way to end that, by the way, because uh, I'm very excited for this four or five matchup. You guys both hit it on the head. This is definitely the best matchup of the first round, maybe with Houston and Oklahoma City being um, <clears throat> a close second. But compare that to the Eastern Conference four or five, which we barely gave ten minutes to in the previous podcast. Um, it, it's a it's a slightly different world there in the West. But uh, Mo, thanks so much for coming on, man. You have uh, you have your own podcast and you have your own uh, website here. You want to you want to tell us what you're putting up on there, what to look for. Tell us what's going on with uh, with JumpBall.net. Absolutely. So, as Ben nicely put it, it's the JumpBall.net. I just actually put up two articles for the weaknesses of the top four in the East and the top four in the West. So it kind of helped with doing this podcast. Nice. And I did a podcast just today with Kelly Scalita. I also did a preview of the Houston OKC series with John Hamm on uh, uh, Tuesday. So you guys can look all that stuff up. You can find me on Twitter at the jump ball net. There's just going to be, I there's going to be a ton of stuff and it's going <laughs> to all be about badminton. <laughs> Uh, and a ton of playoff basketball stuff coming through. So <laughs> you can see everything I put up on uh, from Twitter. Perfect. Very nice. Very cool. And then uh, Mike, I'm sure uh, you know there's nothing you have to tell us. Everyone, go check out SB Nation backslash NBA. There'll be there a really is, uh, there'll be a really cool like thing for the um, yeah. the nerds out there that I'm putting out tomorrow that I think people nice. are really really excited about. Um, and also check out Tim Cato spent a week with the Rockets and we put out that feature today. This is Thursday. It's a really good look into how they transform basketball with their style and how they're, they need to have faith in what they're doing and how faith and science sort of coexist there in such a beautiful way. It's really, really good story. Very cool. And, and also, um, congratulations on getting Tim to walk into the uh, to the enemy's lair there. Tim is our oh, yeah, biggest right. Dallas Mavericks fan, and I'm sure <laughs> it took a lot out of him to go be like sympathetic to the Houston Rockets organization. He's a uh, fan so. of nobody any, at this point. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Forget that whole Mavs money ball, whatever that was. Um, cool. Mo, this was great, man. Thanks so much for helping us uh, dissect these first-round matchups. I'm sure you'll be on here again, and and uh, you know we always appreciate you dropping wisdom and these great questions to help kind of lead us on our own podcast here, man. So so much appreciated uh, for joining us, bud. Thank you guys for having me. Awesome. Anytime. And Mike, uh, we only did uh, two hours of podcasting today. That brings us up to like four on the week. Should we do another one tomorrow? <laughs> I don't know. What, what's the schedule looking like? <laughs> work, work, work. And then the weekend. And we got to get outside because we're very close to that time of year, as we discussed before the podcast, when the weather gets nicer, but our outdoor time decreases because we're all going to be watching the NBA playoffs. So until next time, everybody, go watch your playoffs. Go listen to this podcast. Go check out Mo Docchio's stuff on the jumpball.net. And until next time, everybody, this is the Limited Upside Podcast. <laughs>